Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, welcome to episode number 87 with Amy McCready. Now today we're talking all about entitlement. This is something that is very pervasive in our culture from everyone from little kids and toddlers to teenagers and honestly to us as adults too. And so today Amy's going to give us some practical tips and tools on how to battle this entitlement epidemic, how to fight it in ourselves and how to teach our kids to walk in responsibility and to ultimately do hard things that need to be done. So good. I know you're going to enjoy the stuff that she has to share today. I also want to point out to you guys that I'm very excited about our brand new website. InspiredToAction.com got a complete facelift, and I'm so thankful to Ted Barnett from Contemplate Designs for working with me and kind of bringing this new site to life. My hope is that it's going to be so much easier for you guys to find resources that you need, and and it's especially going to be a lot prettier if you're checking it out on your phone. So when you get a chance, I'd love for you to come see the new design over at InspiredToAction.com. And of course, I want to say a huge thank you to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. If you have not checked them out, now's the perfect time. You know, the school year has started. We're getting back into routines and all of that. And it's the great time for you as a mom to go back to school. And you can do that by checking out my meal planning boot camp. And that's just at mealplanningbootcamp.com. And it'll show you how to get all set up on plan to eat in a week and get some meal plans in there so that it can be one less thing for you to think about and stress about during the school year. So definitely go check out Inspired to Action dot com forward slash plan to eat or you can go to mealplanningbootcamp.com either one will get you the information that you need and I hope that you'll check them out they are my favorite site for keeping me on track and organized with all of the meal planning that I have to do especially y'all now that school started school lunches mm, that is my the bane of my existence is planning school lunches and I love that I can kind of just schedule them out in plan to eat and it makes it one less thing that I have to stress about in the mornings. So let's just jump into our episode today with Amy McCready. Hey, Amy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Kat. So just for everybody who hasn't already heard you, I've had you on the podcast before. I think it was episode number 52, just about a year ago, right now, actually. And it was all about back to school routines. So for those of you listening, if you haven't listened to that one it is the perfect time of year to listen to it. So definitely check that one out as well. But for those of you who haven't met Amy yet, Amy, I would love for you to just tell a little bit about yourself to our listeners. Well, sure. I appreciate that. My name is Amy McCready, and I'm the founder of PositiveParentingSolutions.com. We're the leading provider of online training for parents of toddlers to teens. And Kat, I've worked with your community for so many years, mm-hmm. it seems now, which is always such a privilege. I'm also the author of a book called If I Have to Tell You One More Time. 
And my upcoming book is called The Me, Me, Me Epidemic. And I also have two boys, teenagers, one um, going into a sophomore year of college and another one a rising high school senior, and they keep me super busy. So um, it is lots of fun and a lot of activity, I can tell you. Well, I love the fact that, you're, you know, I, I interview a lot, of inter- a lot of authors and people who write books about various things. Um, but I love the fact that you're writing about parenting and you have been through it. You're, you're not writing just in the, I mean, you're in the midst of it in a sense, but for so many listeners, you, to us, you're on the other side of it. You have kids in college, graduating high school, and you're sharing all the wisdom that you've learned along the way. And it's not just, um, you know, currently anecdotal. It's stuff that has worked for you and that you've really taught to thousands and thousands of parents, uh, literally all over the world. So I love the experience and the wisdom that you bring to this. Well, thank you. Yes. And I I do feel like um, I understand what parents are going through, even though my kids are a little bit older now, you know, I just still remember the Mm -hmm. the frustrations of, you know, trying to get them to listen and do what they're supposed to do without having to yell and all of that that isn't fun for anybody. And, And even on this whole entitlement topic that we're kind of talking about today, you know, as a parent of teenagers, that is a, a topic that was always really important for me, too. We all want to do the best we can with our kids. But in today's society, you know, you just, you know, you worry, am I doing the right things? And um, to raise kids who are responsible and self-sufficient and capable and aren't going to be living in your basement when they're 30. So. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I feel like it, with social media, we get, you know, young moms get plenty of commiseration. Plenty of people saying, this is hard. This is difficult. I can relate to you. But there aren't as many moms that are have gone through it that are sharing their wisdom. And that, I just think, is so rich and valuable. I actually just went to a conference this weekend. And most of the speakers were all of a certain age group and experience level. And then there was one speaker who was just a little bit on the next level. And she was far and away my favorite because there was such a richness of wisdom that she brought that is just not as common in the social media landscape today. So I just love the wisdom and truth that you bring to the table. Well, thank you. Um, Now, I do have to say, when I first heard about your book, I was really excited to read it because every now and then I think, well, maybe if I just move to a farm, (laughs) that'll (laughs) really help me with my kids just really being responsible and learning a good work ethic because they have to milk the cow or else it will like explode (laughs) or, you know, that that shows my extent of farm knowledge. I don't know what happens if you don't milk, milk a cow. But, you know, and, and, and it's so hard, really, to teach kids responsibility in especially the kind of Western culture and when they don't necessarily have to. Um, and so I just love this topic. What kind of prompted you to write this book? Well, you know, I, I just want to touch on that comment that you just made about the farm and everything, because that is one of sort of the fundamental issues around this op- this topic of entitlement in that we don't actually need our kids to contribute for the family to function. You know, as you said, if our kids aren't out milking cows or, or working the fields, we're still going to be able to eat and we'll be able to get milk from the grocery store. And so that societal shift of, you know, us really needing our kids to contribute, that has has really made a big difference over the past couple of generations. And to answer your 
your specific question about what prompted me to write this book. You know, you know, I've been working with parents of toddlers to teens for years and, and over and over again, it was just these reoccurring themes of my kids don't take responsibility and they're not motivated and, and I'm rescuing all the time and they don't seem grateful and, and they can't handle disappointment. They can't handle it when they're told no. So these reoccurring themes of entitlement kept coming up over and over and over again. And it just felt like I was called to write about this topic. In fact, my second book was actually going to be on tweens and teens. I mm. had the proposal all together, and I just wasn't feeling it. And it was just something was drawing me, calling me to this topic of entitlement, because this is not just a teenager issue. This mm. is not an upper middle class only issue. This is an issue that parents of toddlers to teens face in all income brackets, and um, it just felt like it was something that I was supposed to write about. So so just to give us a framework, what do you mean by entitlement? Let's just start at the very beginning, very basic, to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Okay. Well, maybe this might be helpful. I'll give you sort of um, a few clues that if your kids exhibit these types of behaviors, there might be an issue of entitlement going on. And when I say entitlement, I mean, you know, kids expecting um, us to rescue them, to pamper them, to um, to make things all better for them. So some of the some of the clues might be, uh, you know, your kids aren't aren't willing to help out at home. They tend to be more concerned about themselves than others. Uh, you know, when things go wrong, they blame somebody else. They can't handle disappointment. Uh, they expect bribes or rewards for expected behavior. Uh, you know, they kind of feel like the rules don't apply to them uh, materially. They want more, more, more. You know, too much is never enough, if you will. So all of these sort of traits are typical of an entitled child. Now, with that said, all kids, including mine, exhibit these behaviors from time to time. But if it's a reoccurring theme, if the parent is really feeling like, oh, like, you know, this is happening over and over and over again, then it's time to kind of take a look and and say, okay, perhaps we need to, you know, to dig in and and deal with this entitlement issue. And frankly, as you're saying, all those things, I think it's something that many of us parents deal with as well in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't, most of us probably didn't grow up on the farm either. Uh, and we had, you know, parents who's, you know, maybe their their parents grew up during the depression or whatever, and then wanted to provide them with everything. They want to provide us with everything. And so honestly, I feel like it's something that affects everything from our kids all the way up through us. And so just as I was going through the book, I was like, wow, that's, you know, all this stuff is pretty applicable to me too in different circumstances. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think we all feel entitled from time to time. And so I I think that's an important point is, you know, doing a little bit of self-reflection and saying, okay, you know, we want to be modeling the right attitudes and behaviors to our kids. And when we're feeling like, well, you know what, the rules don't apply to me and I want an exception because I'm special. And Mm -hmm. we all do those things from time to time. Uh, You know, what message does that send to our kids about entitlements? That's a really important point that you made. Now, what, let's say that entitlement in a child kind of goes unchecked. Let's just kind of take this to the furthest point. What does that look like when they hit college, when they start, you know, their families and start a job? Well, it's it's really a problem on so many levels. You know, every time that we 
sort of rescue our kids and, and mow down the obstacles in their path, you know, we rob them of the opportunity to learn adversity and, and perseverance and to learn from the mistakes that they're going to make. So think about what we want that young person to be able to do. You know, we're, we need for them to move out of our house and com- be completely self-sufficient, to have good decision-making skills and good, you know, or they, we need them to have financial savvy. We need them to take personal responsibility and be motivated and all of those things. And when we sort of overprotect, overindulge, overpamper our kids, jump through hoops to meet their endless needs and wants, we rob them of those important skills. And, you know, we hear parents all the time lament about this entitlement with our kids, but teachers and coaches say the same thing. You know, teachers will say, you know, kids just show up and think that they should get an A. Or if the kid doesn't do well on the test, well, the teacher didn't like me, or the test was so hard, or you know, she didn't cover that in the review. It's always sort of the blaming somebody else. And, and take that you know, a, few, a few steps forward to the eventual employer. Today's employers are wrestling with this generation of employees who has to be told constantly that they're doing a good job. They're constantly needing the pat on the back. And let's face it, you know, these, hopefully these folks are going to get married one day, and we don't want them to be high-maintenance spouses you know, we want them to be self-sufficient and be able to care for themselves and, um, and just be not, you know, not be high maintenance. So it's not just an issue in our home. It really is a societal issue as well. That's so true. You know, just as you were talking, I was thinking of different situations I was in when a, a businessman was talking about how when he hires employees, it's really all, almost become sort of a mentoring situation. I mean, maybe it should be anyway, but specifically with like millennials and, and mm-hmm. kids growing up now, it's become a mentoring situation. He needs to teach them a lot of the basics of responsibility and work ethics. And I have another friend who's a professor, and she said that, she, you know, she used to allow retakes of tests, and then she mm-hmm. decided to just zero retakes. You miss the test, you get a zero. That's just how it was. And so she jokes that she single-handedly saved the lives of grandparents worldwide <laughs> because <laughs> students would always say, oh, my grandmother got sick, or, just, you know, some some excuse <laughs> As to why they couldn't take the test. So, oh, that's so you know, funny. you say that and it, it's something that has rung true even just in random conversations that I've had with people. Oh, I believe it. Well, Kat, you'll find this so funny. My oldest son, um, who is going to be a sophomore in college, he has been working at Chick-fil-A since he was in high school. And so this week he came home and said they hired some new kids at actually not a kid, the the young man had actually graduated from high school and there was a big mess. Something had spilled. And so the manager asked him to clean it up. And the young man said, well, I don't, I don't do that. And the manager looked at him like, what? And he said, well, I don't do cleanup at home. My mom does that. Wow. And I said to Ryan, I said, you're kidding me. Like he actually said that, like <laughs> it was bad enough that he didn't know how to clean up a simple mess, but to not realize that you would never say that to an employer, <laughs> it was just mind blowing to me. Wow. So, yeah. Those, those things happen in real life. That is, that's so interesting. So, okay. So I've, as you're talking about different things about going and rescuing kids, the, the first thing that pops into my head is where do we draw that line? Because it, we want to be rescuers of our kid. We want to help our kids. At some point, that line needs to be drawn. How do we figure that out? 
Well, one of the things that I do talk about in the book is the no rescue policy. And so the question you ask is, when do we rescue? Well, we can all rescue from time to time. That's part of being a family, right? You have each other's back, you step in and help. That's what we do. However, if you find yourself continually rescuing over and over and over again, you're continually driving the homework to school, you're driving the shin guards to the soccer field, you're continually calling or emailing the teacher about this, that, or the other, then that's a problem. Because if you're doing that on a regular basis, guess what's not happening? That child is not taking personal responsibility for his own choices and his own, you know, his own situation. So when you're doing it over and over and over again, that's when you know, okay, we really need to do, we need to step back here. We're doing our kids a disservice by constantly rescuing them. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And I have to pull out a sports analogy in every podcast I do, not intentionally, <laughs> but just like, no, you know, when you think of a coach in any sport, you just think of them being people who push you past your limits and who help you stretch and help you grow. And parenting is really the same thing. And coaches don't make great athletes by coddling them and making them perfectly mm -hmm. comfortable. Mm -hmm. They make them great athletes by helping them release their potential. And that often involves difficult difficulties and challenges. And so that absolutely makes sense. So let's talk, let's start talking first about moms of really little ones. Mm -hmm. What does entitlement look like with them and how do they just start the process of helping or their kids to not be entitled? Well, entitlement with little kids typically um, is, you know, over pampering, doing things for them. They're perfectly capable of doing for themselves, you know, Putting, you know, helping a five-year-old get dressed when they're perfectly capable of doing that themselves, or uh, refusing or not allowing the child to experience discomfort. So, as an example, you're in the grocery store, the kid's, you know, throwing a fit because he wants a cookie or whatever it is, and you give in to that demand. You don't want him to be upset, so you give him whatever he wants, so he's not upset. Um, when we do those things, it reinforces that that entitled behavior is going to get him what he wants. So why wouldn't they do that in the future? When, you know, it, it's appropriate for kids to be the center of our world, right? We're parents, we love them more than anything. But when we jump through hoops to meet their endless demands, that is fostering that entitlement. When you're doing, you know, 95 drinks of water and uh, before bed and 35 back rubs and doing the dance and coming back to the room 15 times, you know, you're sort of fostering that mom and dad will jump through hoops to meet my every need and want kind of behavior that we see in entitled kids. Mm -hmm. And it's not that the kids, you know, I, I want to make sure that moms feel like it's not that there's anything wrong with kids that are doing this. It's that they don't know any different you know, I remember the first time that my um, husband had to go into the office. We took, we all drove down to where his office was at the time in Houston because he currently works from home. And he's always mm -hmm. worked from home as, far, as long as my kids have remembered. And so the kids and I drove him to the office and dropped him off to walk in. And my girls were like, why is daddy leaving? Where is daddy going? And they just were a little upset and disconcerted that he wasn't just working in the hotel room, that he wasn't mm -hmm. working right where they were, just because they didn't know any different. They didn't know that... Most dads, you know, leave and go somewhere to work. And I think when it comes to entitlement, you know, if we 
consistently give them their every need and every want, they don't know what they can actually handle. They don't know the satisfaction of of waiting and being patient or saving up for something or working hard for something. And so um, I just wanted to get that out there because I know it's so easy for moms to think, oh, my kid does all these things. I'm a terrible mom. But it's not that there's anything wrong with our kids when they do this. It's just, you know, it's natural. It's in. And um, it's just a, a matter of showing that there's other opportunities out there and other ways to to respond and that they're capable of more than they think they are. Um, Absolutely. And I just want to make one other quick point about, you know, oh, my kids are, are entitled and I'm a terrible mom. No, like this comes from the most loving parents. This all happens from a place of love, right? You, We want to do things for them and we want to make things easier for them. And it's all coming from the, the genuine place of love. But it's just a little too much of a good thing that ends up fostering this attitude of entitlement. Now, I would I would guess that this all comes down to parents knowing who they are, what their limits are, and making sure that their kids kind of know the same because it's so hard when, you know, Johnny comes home and says, well, so-and-so's mom, you know, mm-hmm. rescued him, or so-and-so's mom is throwing him a million-dollar birthday bash or whatnot. I would think that that would have a, a big part to play. Absolutely. And it's sort of that that initial feeling is almost like hurt, like, oh, you know, you almost feel crushed when, when the child says something like that. Um, but you're right, is what is our job? Our job is to, of course, move them from being completely dependent on us to being completely independent, but also teaching them delayed gratification. And, you know, you don't get everything that you want. And sometimes the answer is no. And, and all of those things that we have to teach them, and that's hard, and kids don't like it, and parents feel bad when that has to happen. But it's sort of separating short-term versus long-term parenting. You know, if we take the short-term, easier, more comfortable route, that, that might be satisfying in the moment for us and for our kids. But it doesn't serve their long-term interests and we're not doing our long-term parenting job in the process. That is such a great phrase. I totally was just taking notes and underlined that one, short-term versus long-term parenting. It reminds me of a quote that I heard recently. I think it's by a guy named Jim Rohn. And it says, we, we will always suffer one of two different pains, either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Mm, that's um, fabulous. And it sounds just like that and just having that long-term parenting perspective. Now, when we were talking about not having a farm and kids not having to work today, it kind of made me think of in, in some of your other um, like webinars that I've been a part of, you talk about a kid's need for power and belonging. And so um, correct me if I'm wrong or help me dive into this, but um, you say that they, they have this need for, you know, in a good sense, power and a sense of belonging. And so by not having to do things, by not being needed, we're almost doing a disservice to our kids, would Absolutely. you say? Absolutely, yes. And and one of the things that I talk about in the book is the <clears throat> the two fundamental emotional needs that we have are belonging, that sense of being emotionally connected to each other and, and, and being part of this tight-knit family. We are connected. We have a sense of belonging. And then the other piece is significance or power. And that's a sense of, I make a difference. I'm capable. I contribute. I All of these things, we all have this hardwired, non-negotiable need 
to make a difference and be needed. And when we don't give kids opportunities to participate in family responsibilities, we're not only robbing them of important skills, like learning to unload the dishwasher and clean a bathroom, but we're robbing them of the sense of significance that I make a difference. Does that mean that kids are going to enjoy doing these family jobs? Of course not. But it contributes to the family, the family functioning, and they, they have a sense of power in that, and that's, that's important. And I think what happens so often is, you know, when, you, when parents ask kids to do family jobs and kids grumble and groan, sometimes parents think, oh, forget it. It's just easier. I'll do it myself. At least it'll get done, and I won't have to listen to all of the negotiating. But again, that really robs kids in the long run of important skills and that sense of contribution that they get from helping out around the family or around the house. That's so true. I mean, I quite frankly, go through that discussion in my head every time, I, you know, it's time for me to ask my kids to do something like, okay, I need to kind of just steal myself to ask them. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they'll grumble and complain, but other times they'll just surprise me and just be like, okay. I'm like, wait, what? okay, what did I do leading up to this point? And so that stars were all alive. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, you know, my husband recently started asking my eight-year-old son to make our coffee every morning. And I don't remember what oh. prompted it. But now he does it. He makes our coffee every morning. And he is so proud of that. And yesterday oh, he was talking about it. how he was going to open up a coffee shop when he grows up. Oh. And, you know, he's just so proud of the fact that he makes our coffee in the morning, that he knows how to make coffee. And it's such a, a simple thing and honestly probably something that I would have never asked him to do. But just yes. whatever happened that particular day. And now it's something that he's taken ownership of and that he's I really proud that. of. that. Well, and that's the thing. You know, all kids, toddlers – all the way up to teenagers, everybody should contribute to the family. And that is one of the things in the book, Kat, you might remember, where we kind of have a jobs for kids by age list. Mm-hmm. So if you have a toddler, a parent can look and say, okay, yeah, these are some things that my toddler could be doing to contribute all the way up to teens. But you mentioned coffee, and that's, you know, the kitchen is actually one of the places that I always recommend um, for getting kids started because. You know, kids seem to like being in the kitchen. They like being around food. And little kids, like young ones, you can give them a cutting board and a plastic knife and let them chop up cucumbers for the dinner salad, pull grapes off of a stem for a fruit salad, all the way up to bigger kids who can make you know a big part of the meal. And that is a major sense of contribution. They're learning important life skills. You know, sometimes they're working with you in the kitchen, which is great bonding time. Mm-hmm. So I love that as a place to get kids started contributing in a way that's fun. It's not just cleaning baseboards. It's something that they really enjoy doing as well. Absolutely. And and finding those things that they enjoy and really, you know, using those as your first step. If it's a difficult mm-hmm. thing to ask your kids to do stuff, find things that they think would be fun. Like one of my kids likes to mop and the exactness of their mopping isn't, you know, quite <laughs> what I would prefer, but they like to mop. And so it gets them started. And once they mop, I can ask them to do something else. And they're just kind of in that mode of I'm a mm-hmm. worker, I'm a contributor, and it allows them to transition to the next thing. And what you said, what, can I just interrupt with one oh, quick absolutely. thing, Kat? What you said was so important. He, you know, maybe he's not the, the world's best mopper. Wait, how did you know it was my son? <laughs> and so the key thing is that, um, you know, sometimes they're not going to do the job perfectly or, you know, it, but, but they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so 
we have to sort of resist. Sometimes we think, well, I don't want to give him that job because he's not going to really do it sufficiently or whatever, but it's okay. It just, so they're doing it. That's all that matters. It doesn't have to be done perfectly or to your specifications necessarily. Mm-hmm. And seeing the benefit of, it's not about the job, it's about the kid mm-hmm. and, and the character building that's happening. Absolutely. So there are 35 different tools in the book that you share, and I love your practicality. I love it. What is one tool that a mom could employ today? Oh, boy, this is always so hard to pick one. You know me, I'm all about the tools <laughs> because the reason I love tools is because I just like to make things super easy and actionable for parents. But here's one uh, that I think can be really handy for parents, especially now as we're in, coming into back-to-school time. Um, I've noticed that kids today have really nice brand name things, sporting equipment, clothing. The babysitters that used to sit for my kids had way nicer handbags and clothes than I did. Um, so a lot of times parents run into this issue of we're out school shopping and they want the, you know, the brand name, whatever, but mom doesn't have that budgeted. So very often that turns into a negotiation and then nobody is feeling good about that. So when you're out and about and kids want something that you is that you think is too expensive or whatever, you can do a couple of things. First, you can say, first empathize. Wow, that is super cool. That is really nice. I can see why you would want that. Um, I am the tool is called State What You Will Spend. So I have $50 budgeted for back to school jeans. And we can either buy these jeans for $50, or if you have the money saved and you want to use your allowance for the rest of it, you're welcome to do that. So state what you will spend. That gets you out of the negotiation. And then the child can decide if those Mm -hmm. jeans are really the coolest thing ever and she has to have them, well, then she can put the money towards that to get what she really wants. Remember, our job as parents is to clothe our children. That doesn't mean buying them the fanciest brand names. Our responsibility is just to put clothes on their backs. Or the other thing that you can do is the wish list. You know, do you want to put that on your wish list? And when Christmas comes around or your birthday, that might be something that grandma would want to get for you. So just don't get into those negotiations when you're out shopping. Uh, You know, be clear, state what you will spend. And then if the child wants to put in the rest, she can certainly do that. Well, that's so good and so smart. We have some friends who do that very thing and, and, we we um, have always gone to private school except for last year. So we had we had to close shop for the first time last year because uh, they didn't have uniforms. And mm-hmm. so we asked, well, how does this work? What do you do? And a friend told us that they just give their kids, like you said, a budget. And they say this is how much they can spend. And then they have to make those choices and then live with those choices. Mm-hmm. You know, so if they want to spend all their money on one cool pair of jeans, then great, but then maybe they don't have as many shorts as they wanted to or, or whatnot. And so I love how you communicate the idea of kind of just transferring the decision-making to the kids so that they can have the opportunity to make those decisions and those choices. And I think that gives them a sense of that significance as well. Absolutely. And when one of the things that I talk about um, in, in fairly great detail in the book is allowance and really starting when the kids are younger and, and giving them that allowance and the specific things. So they're getting a, a certain dollar amount per week or per month, however you do it. But then they have certain things that they're responsible for covering. And as they get older, that list grows. So they're getting a bigger allowance, but 
they are then maybe also responsible for covering their school lunches, any entertainment, uh, their clothing, you know, whatever it is, age appropriately. But as they as they grow, they're more and more responsible. They have more expenses that they're covering, and you're not spending anymore because you'd be spending that same money anyway. You're just giving it to them so they can learn how to budget and manage and make those important decisions. So you think once they leave your house and they're out on their own, hopefully they have a fairly well-developed skill set on how to allocate funds and budget and make decisions and save and give and all of those things that we want them to be um, savvy with as adults. So it's a great way to start that process. And you can do it when they're when they're, you know, beginning at four years old. I love it. I love all your practical ideas. I, I know that, you know, over the course of the years that we've interacted and I've done your online course and read your books, that you've played a huge part in honestly me not going crazy as a mom because, <laughs> you know, when you feel overwhelmed, I'm just like, well, what do I do next? And you just have all these super practical tips and tools that are so helpful. Like when you mentioned earlier about empathizing, with them. And I remember you sharing that in, in your course or a book or something, just the idea of empathizing with them first. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that totally changes instead of me just saying, well, no, you can't have those genes. Empathizing first so that we feel that my child feels like my like I'm their advocate and not their adversary. And then broaching into the discussion of, you know, whether or not it's something that we can afford or would be wise. And you just have so many great practical simple tips to act on. And so um, for those listening, can you tell them where they can get your book? It's called The Me, Me, Me Epidemic. And uh, where can they get that? Well, they can get the book anywhere that books are sold. So any online retailer, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, any independent bookstore, um, it's available in hardcover and in digital, of course. Um, and for a full list, they can go to amymccready.com, and all of the links are there as well. But wherever they like to buy books, they'll be able to find the Me, Me, Me epidemic for sure. Fantastic. And where can they find you online just for some daily inspiration and all that? Thank you for asking. Uh, they can go to positiveparentingsolutions.com. And we have the blog there with lots of articles. There's um, free training resources. And of course, on our Positive Parenting Solutions Facebook page, that's another great place to go for, you know, kind of daily tips and inspiration. Fantastic. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast and for sharing your tools and wisdom. And I'm, I'm, I really encourage you guys to check out this book. So much practical application that you can really just read and apply right away. So definitely encourage you guys to check it out. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, Kat. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. 
Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with his grace, his grace and sweet new mercy.